Welcome to Better Than Nothing. What you are about to hear is just me being able to speak with some amazing people that come from many walks of life. This episode of Better Than Nothing is brought to you by Concept by Iowa Hearing. Your hearing is our priority. Visit iowahearing.com or call 877-955-4020 for a free hearing screening. That's 877-955-4020. Hello, this is Ken Root. I have an interesting guest with me today. So many are in their own ways, but Rich Keller, who's a longtime ag journalist, started at Iowa State, graduating from there, and then moved into newspaper and I think in a moment he'll give us a litany of ag companies he worked with over the last couple of years has shown up on Facebook from some interesting locations that make me smile in some ways and make me fear for his safety and others because he's gone alone to places I wouldn't even go with a tour group. So Rich, you're back in Richmond, Virginia. How are you? Doing great. Feeling good. Looking forward to next year. (laughs) <laughs> Tell me some of the companies you worked for in your long career that I guess ended after Vance was bought out by Farm Journal. Yeah, I was public relations working with major advertising companies, working for Bayer, uh, FMC, um, DuPont, Aventus. Went to, to work as the magazine editor there at Vance, so... What is it about this travel that entices you? Did you not get to do enough of it as an ag guy in those years in newspaper and public relations? No, I did quite a bit of travel in those situations. I got to go to some interesting places, Iceland, uh, Thailand, uh, Honduras, uh, Germany, Belgium, you know, got around a little bit and, uh, and I really enjoyed it. And I had started traveling on my own to Mexico originally with my wife. Then we also uh, traveled together to um, to Honduras, as I said. So um, I, I had a feel for the Latin American countries that I liked. Inexpensive, quick, quick way to get there. You know, airlines were fast and not a long trip. So that's what really enticed me. This last year, I see that you were in Guatemala, Cartagena. The year before, the first year you did this and started reporting back to us on Facebook, where were you? It was before the, you know, the COVID problem. And I, I did some from um, Ecuador. And when I was in uh, Cuenca, Ecuador in 2018, and then um, we made it to Puerto Rico just before the uh, COVID not Puerto Rico, I'm sorry, um, Costa Rica, although I've been to Puerto Rico too, just to throw it in. That's really where I got started. Then, you know, from Ecuador, Costa Rica, Colombia, then Guatemala. Now, you said we. Are you still traveling with someone or by yourself? I go by myself. Uh, I went to Ecuador when I was married alone and then. My wife died, and so Colombia and uh, Colombia, and uh, this year to uh, Guatemala was alone. Well, I'm sorry you lost your wife. Did that give you the 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 freedom or the confidence to to take these trips, or is it different in your own mind now than it was when she traveled with you? 
No, not any different at all. I always have done the planning and uh, looked out, looked uh, up the possibilities of where to go and how to get there and what to do when we got there. It was always me in charge. So she just came along <laughs> for the right. Rich Keller, as you have done your recent travels, let's go through some of the places you've been. I guess you go back uh, several years on starting these out with you and your wife and uh, your wife has passed away since that time and you've continued traveling alone. Um, you seem kind of brave. Uh, do you feel brave as you're out there by yourself? Well, I guess uh, I just uh, go head first into situations. <laughs> sort of um, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, I do research where I'm going to be before I go. I uh, do Airbnb for where I'm going to stay, and um, I always book for a month or more to get a big discount. And so I'm really looking at where I'm getting a good deal and what is in that territory uh, as far as um, interesting things to see and also if it looks like it might be a little sketchy. But I want to be among the people wherever I go I'm not going to go to the tourist area I'm, I'm looking for being among the people whether it's a little bit of gang activity there so I'm not looking for trouble and I don't think that they're going to look for trouble of, um, as a single person like myself so I, I just take my chances to a degree so you believe in the kindness of strangers well, man, I've found everybody I've ever met is friendly. I mean, I'll I'll get lost and I'll ask somebody where to find something. And if they don't speak English, they'll still spend 20 minutes trying to help me. I mean, and I don't speak Spanish. That is the big thing. Uh, I basically, well, I got a D in college in Spanish. I cannot <laughs> comprehend the Spanish language. Uh, and, and so um, I go to all these countries with the help of individuals and uh, you'll find people that can do broken English everywhere. And uh, they're always so friendly. Everybody's so friendly and wants to help you. You see sights and smell wonders, I would say. Your hotels look like they're maybe one star at best. Yeah, they're Airbnbs, and I look for, like I said, among the people, which means they're not uh, high-traffic um, tourist areas, and all I need is, a, you know, a bedroom and a little kitchen area and a bathroom. I always go with the private bathroom and kitchen, so that puts me in some areas that uh, are not high-traffic for a regular uh, tourist. I've noticed uh, in your postings from time to time you'll say i couldn't get good internet blank isn't it interesting in our career we've gone from not even knowing what internet was to not being able to live without it <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah i was working a typewriter back when my career started so anyway uh it internet is so different from one area to another and from one house to another uh, high speed or slow or uh, too many people get on at the same time I don't know what it all involves but uh, sometimes I'm sitting there forever trying to 
load pictures to Facebook. You carry a nice camera, and you refer to that a few times. Do you think that makes you a target in some of those areas? Oh, I've always had people come up to me. The locals will say, they're going to steal your camera. They'll steal your camera. And um, I just hang on tight and keep it uh, in front of me. And I don't, uh, don't worry too much. It was interesting last year when I was in Colombia one time. So there was a there was a gang funeral coming down the street, blocking the whole street. And I was on a high rise just above the street in a restaurant. And so I started shooting pictures of the nearly 100 motorcycles in front of the hearse and the guys carrying the casket and then two busloads of mainly women behind that. And once I got done shooting pictures, the my um, cook from the restaurant, he came and hid my camera because they were anticipating somebody might be coming back not liking their picture taken. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I would think that. Uh, you know, I've traveled in communist countries, and what you take pictures of uh, can get you in as much trouble as anything. But you do take a lot of pictures of people. Do you sometimes have to pay people so that they will agree to their picture being taken? I've tried doing that, and they still refuse usually. Um, so I'm just shooting with a very long telephoto in a lot of cases. Uh, that's basically how I'm getting my pictures is, uh, so they're not setups at all. What about churches and, and other public buildings? You seem to want to document them. And I like seeing the pictures you've taken, uh, and you seem to have an eye for the differences in some of these churches. Well, it's amazing how many churches in the Latin American countries that are just fabulous architecture and kind of weird. I I graduated from Iowa State University with a journalism degree, but I had three years of architectural engineering prior to switching. So that architecture interests me. But the churches, like I said, they're everywhere. In Guatemala City, they were every three blocks, there's another church. I mean, it's just in my zone of one where I was at. In between that, churches and then government buildings and um, oh, fabulous places like uh, the um, governmental palace, which amazes me that Guatemala built the governmental palace between 1939 and 1943, and it's gold everywhere and fabulous. It's just, you know, so things just amaze me when it comes to architecture. Let's take a moment to talk with Taylor Parker, who's the president of Concept by Iowa Hearing. I've worked with them for the last 17 years and worn their hearing aids for that length of time, and I have had excellent results. Taylor, dementia is of concern of people as we get older, and I understand there are several modifiable risks that you can employ. Could you tell us about those? Yeah, sure can. And so the studies were done by Johns Hopkins, um, Stanford, Cambridge University, so world-renowned um, you know, research centers. And what they found was there are 12 risk factors that you can actually modify you know, in your life. Now, they broke it down by age under 45, 45 to 65, and 65 and above. Under the age of 45, 
proper education. So being well-educated is the number one thing you can do under the age of 45. Between the age of 45 and 65, obesity, alcohol consumption, blood pressure, brain injury, and hearing loss. So the, between the age of 45 and 65 is actually the, the number one thing you can do in that age bracket is actually treat your hearing loss. So it's not an age-related thing. So between 45 and 65. Over 65, smoking, depression, social isolation, air pollution. And when you talk about air pollution, it's not just being out and about in a large city. There are actually carcinogens in a wood-burning stove that can lead to one, hearing loss, but also um, things you can do for dementia. So it's not just out and about in large cities. Um, lack of physical activity and diabetes. Um, it can actually prevent or delay up to 40% of the dementia cases by modifying these pieces. And when you look at all those 12, nine of those are actually correlated to an untreated hearing loss. But the number one thing you can actually do out of all 12 and do it between the age of 45 and 65 is actually treat your hearing loss. So when they talk about hearing loss being a, a, a very important thing, treating your hearing loss is the most modifiable thing you can do to help offset dementia. And wearing hearing devices or treating your hearing loss can reduce dementia symptoms by up to 75%. So studies are showing not only that hearing loss plays a critical role in health conditions, you know, dementia being the, the biggest one, but also treating your hearing loss is not the number one thing you can do um, to help with dementia. That is very interesting information. Thank you, Taylor. Schedule your free hearing screening at Concept by Iowa Hearing. You can call them at 877-955-4020. A good farmer will never forget 4020 as the last four digits. Or you can go online at iowahearing.com. Well, I've been to Guatemala. We were well-received there. This was 1983 with John Block, who was Secretary of Agriculture. We were at the Presidential Palace, and we left there and went on uh, into um, El Salvador. And then from El Salvador, we went on to Venezuela. And when we got to Venezuela, we found out that there had been a coup in Guatemala. And that coup had overthrown the president. And a few people had been killed right there where we had been uh, in the presidential palace. So it was kind of spooky for me to remember that area. But you're right. Those are glorious buildings that they have there. And Guatemala isn't the only one. Every place they go, the churches are quite interesting. And then some of the government buildings and, and then private museums, they're all really interesting in the Latin American countries. Did any of the people who could speak English talk to you about uh, why they're losing their young population that's coming to the U.S. border and trying to get into the United States? Uh, not really. Um, where I was at, I saw a lot of uh, the, well, I was at the main plaza, central plaza, where the presidential palace is, but um, and every Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, people would come in by van loads from the countryside and shop. But I never saw anybody that was having problems about the government. There were no protests. And I've been in other countries where protests were going on. And I don't 
know really what was there. I mean, I got hit up by a panhandler a couple of times and wanted money so he could go to the United States. But that was about the closest I got to understanding the, the situation. I didn't dare go out in the countryside. I met a young man that his dad is a U.S. citizen and his mom is a Guatemalan, and he manages a um, cattle ranch. But uh, just getting there, going all, all cross country, you're taking your, there's where I make a decision. That's just too dangerous. And so I didn't get out in the countryside. This surprises me. You feel safer in the city than you would outside and being singled out and perhaps being preyed on as you drove across the countryside. Yeah. The reports are that they would hijack buses and take money from people, especially if they, if it was a tourist bus or looked like it had tourists on it. Those were some of the things that they talk about. When you look at the tourist guides for Guatemala City, they say, don't go there. Don't, it's not worth it, you know, the danger of it. And I was in Zona 1. It was listed as a somewhat sketchy, dangerous area, but there's only six out of the 25 zonas where they said it was uh, basically safe. But I didn't see anything that concerned me at all. I didn't see any gang activity. But Guatemala City had a guard at every store with a gun. A lot of pistol grip shotguns were their favorite, but every store in the mile-long shopping street that was near me, every store had a, a gun guard, guard. Now, when I went to Antigua, which I spent a little time there, there wasn't a guard at anything except a bank. You know, the banks had some guards. So there is a difference and um, got to be concerned in some cases. But in others, it's not too bad. Everybody goes to Antigua because you land at the airport and there's $20 shuttles to take you to Antigua. Everybody's, there's just shuttles everywhere to take you to Antigua because as my neighbor in the Guatemala City said, um, in Antigua, one out of every three people you see on the streets a foreigner. In Guatemala, my city, one out of 1,000 might be a foreigner. Have you ever been to Nicaragua? No, I haven't. I was checking it out for next year because I had a Nicaraguan tell me that it would be a good place to go. I sort of checked it and said, well, it's an awful lot like uh, Guatemala in terms of volcanoes to see and churches and such. So I'm sort of leaning against doing that one. I'm sort of, I'm looking into Argentina real close right now. Well, back to Nicaragua, I have a friend who goes to Nicaragua every winter and spends much of his winter there. I said, that's a communist country. And he said, yeah, there's no crime here. The people who commit crimes in the country are punished so strongly. And many, many people from Nicaragua have left. And if you go to Costa Rica, that's where they are and Panama. And they're working as the underclass, uh, doing whatever jobs that they can do. But his view of a communist country is, why not go there? There's no crime uh, because they're so tough on it. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that completely. Costa Rica. You've been to there? Yeah. I loved Costa Rica, but it is so incredibly touristy. 
I think they say a quarter of the country is national parks and it is beautiful. I've been all over the country. Not that that's hard to do through the years leading tour groups. But if I were to go to a country I felt safe and comfortable in, um, it would be Costa Rica. Yeah, I was, I've done uh, everything from the beaches off the coast to uh, up near the volcanoes and such. And I found there was no concern about your safety whatsoever. No. I ended up there staying in a little uh, little house. It was an Airbnb house. And I thought it was in the city when I booked it. Oh, nope, it's clear out in the countryside about five miles out. Turned out it was a uh, tour guide and his wife was an art teacher. And uh, since I, we didn't have a car, they just took us around wherever we wanted to go for a little bit of nothing. You uh, pointed out you don't speak Spanish, can't seem to master the language or even handle the language very well, but yet you go to these Spanish-speaking areas. Is it a certain relief to you when you find a person who can speak English and will help you do what you need to do? It's amazing how many people. I thought Guatemala might be a real toughie in terms of English, but I was surprised. You know, I'm every time I'm somewhere wanting to do something, I, I end up finding somebody that in, will try to help me in broken English. A lot of it is I'll just look at people straight on and sort of think, oh, that person might speak English, and uh, I'll say, "Hable English," you know, and "Hable and they just yeah, they come back uh, no or yes and try to help me. It, it's amazing. It's just amazing. Do you uh, like the food that you get in those countries? Do you find it part of the adventure? I'm really not a foodie. And what I find is that they're, they're pretty basic type Mexican, Mexican food. Um, but not even any spice, real mild. They, the Latin American countries outside of Mexico, it's, they're not into spices as much as I, you would, might think. Um, I could hardly find any hot sauce in uh, Guatemala City. You know, it was a little tiny section of this major grocery store. So that's only difference is, I, you know, I mean, a normal day's lunch is like a vegetable soup with uh, beans and rice and a piece of meat. Uh, So I just don't go looking for the real fancy restaurants or anything. What amazes me is how many fast food chains are everywhere. You know, all the McDonald's and Burger King's and Wendy's and Pizza Hut's and, and all those kind of things. How about trinkets? You talk about the things you see and the things that are handmade. You fly in there, uh, but do you ship some stuff home or do you try not to buy too much? I don't buy too much. You know, it's uh, whatever I can get in my luggage. I go in 10 pounds lighter and come out, you know, full 10 pounds filled up in the suitcase. But I'm old enough. I don't need a lot of things, you know. Okay, I bought a new tablecloth that was hand woven in Guatemala bought a couple little stuffed dolls for my granddaughters uh, and uh, oh got a new pair of um, Guatemalan handmade shoes and a couple of Guatemalan belts and I think that was the total of what I brought home. You say you're going to 
Argentina next year, probably. Would it be Buenos Aires where you'll be staying? I do not like the big cities. Guatemala City was big, too big, although I found the right area because it had all the best uh, sightseeing, as far as I could tell. Buenos Aires is too big, you know, three million people. I'd like to be, I like in those ones that are a million or less. Antigua only has, only has 60,000 people, although it's uh, the number one tourist area, and so it has a lot of hotels. But I... I want to be in some place that's less than. So what also amazes me is I, I fly with frequent flyer miles that I earned over the years of working. And um, it was only 40,000 frequent flyer miles to go to Guatemala this past year. Now I'm looking at booking and the, and the mileage, frequent flyer mileage that's required is ridiculous. Uh, to go to Argentina, they want 120,000 frequent flyer miles. I would say that those airlines need the money, and they put those miles out there in years past, uh, which you probably collected 25, 30 years of it. They're going to make it hard for you to be able to get back what you thought you would from that. I hope you can figure out how to do it. Rich, I, I love to look at what you do on Facebook. Do you mind sharing your Facebook name and how people can become a friend? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's Richard Keller. I'm so stupid on things like that. I'm trying to think what the number is after it that finds it for you. Um, well, Richard Keller, R-I-C-H-A-R-D-K-E-L-L-E-R. And uh, they can look it up uh, and punch it up, and then you need to accept them as a friend. So I would say you should look for a few people that would like to friend you. But you are a friend of a friend of lots of my friends. So that's how I picked you up because you have had a lot of interactive relationships with people through the years. And uh, I look forward to your next trip. I don't want to hear anything bad, you know, but I want to hear from you as you uh, continue to go through these countries, primarily South America, right? That's what you want to do, Central and South America? Yeah, exactly. Don't really have this urge to go to Europe that much. Thailand was pretty neat when I traveled there. I thought about doing some Southeast Asia stuff, but uh, I'll, I'll stick to trying to go to a different country every year in uh, Central and South America. Well, may it be a safe trip, and uh, may you continue these as long as you have the health and wealth to do so. You're not exactly spending... Uh, uh, more than your social security on the vi visits I see you taking so far. So if you have your health, you should be doing it for a few more years. Yeah, I'm, I go cheap. <laughs> I don't worry about, you know, I'm, I, I paid 850 bucks for 44 days in Guatemala city for my rent, 500 bucks for a month in uh, Columbia. I don't spend a lot to bring home and uh, I do some cooking on my own and don't go out and eat at big time restaurants that much. Should be able to keep doing it for a couple more years if my health will hold out. Have you ever thought of writing a book about it? My daughter sent me um, one of these uh, memoir books. You're supposed to keep track of your daily things when you're out somewhere and I'm just terrible about it. I didn't do it. No, I'm... My journalism days are over. I, uh, I've thought of a lot of different books I should write, but uh, if I was going to write, I would, should be doing it as a 
you know, newspaper travel um, writer, I think, actually. Well, you're doing it as a podcast right now, and I think there's no better way to tell your story than the spoken word. So we've accomplished that. And, uh, Rich, I want to thank you for talking to me. Well, I appreciate the time with you. Thanks for listening to Better Than Nothing. I hope you stayed awake for most of it and liked what you heard. If you'd like to tell me your thoughts or relate your memories, send it to kenroot at gmail.com. We'll try to put out one of these every week, and you can sign up with your podcast service to be reminded when the next one's available. See you next week for another episode of Better Than Nothing.